This is the Uncommon Wisdom Podcast, a podcast companion to the Substack newsletter, Uncommon Wisdom, that helps listeners uncover unusual wisdom through conversations and interviews with some of the most interesting people around. Please like, share, and subscribe. It's free with new content every week. Enjoy the show. Uh, I'm joined today by Larry M. Larry M. has a number of years in sobriety, and he's joined us here to talk about his experience, strength, and hope. Thanks for joining us, Larry. Great. So, uh, to get started, mm. uh, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your origin stories. Yeah. Where you come from, and... Uh, well, you know, I, I don't have, uh, I don't know, an origin story that's much different from uh, others. I mean, I'm uh, raised in West Virginia, a little small town up there, and um, my... Uh, Folks' family are from Eastern Kentucky. Mom and dad's from uh, Southern West Virginia, and uh, they had me when they were off for grad school. Brought me back home. Um, I grew up in a small town. I, uh, you know, went got a chance to uh, go to college, a uh, little place um, called St. John's and uh, St. John's College in Annapolis, Maryland, and. Uh, Going from there, I, uh, you know, you know, I think throughout that time, um, both in adolescence and uh, my twenties, um, you know, I went to got a got a chance to do a little bit of grad school too, and work a little bit. I always kept pretty busy. I was always a bit anxious, but um, you know, always feeling like I needed to be in a couple different places at once. That hasn't that hasn't stopped, right? Um, uh, but, um, over time I got to, uh, came to the idea that the stress that came from that, um, and whatever stressors life brought and disappointments that life brought that, uh, it was going to be easier weathering that if I, um, you know, checked out of myself a little bit, um, you know, and, uh, used um yeah for me it was uh alcohol and um you know it, it was a way of dealing with that stress you know i also have this notion that um you know i could uh and i, I think it's there and all for all of us whether you know we'd identify as having had a problem with substances or not something's going on in our life that we don't like and we've got to that we're the ones who have to go on and fix it right and in fact we can't be okay until we fixed it and so i had that notion i mean you know this is a lot of years of uh reflection coming to this um but uh coming to that understanding but uh that's why i think this my story may have some reflection both for folks struggling with issues with this, that, or the other, or just people struggling with life. So anyway, uh, I deal with that stress and by, uh, using substances, by using uh, alcohol in particular with me. Um, and in order to, uh, kind of lessen the stress a little bit. And gradually, the more I tried to control things, the more I tried to escape that need to control things. Uh, through uh, substances or behaviors or what have you, 
um, the, the more um, I realized that I didn't quite like myself. In fact, I was so unhappy with myself. I needed to do more of those substances. You know, that was the reality. And uh, gradually, when I kept doing that, you know, my life got worse, right? There was more to dislike about my life. So then there was more reason to use substance to the point where, you know, finally I got to a point where um, I, I had no other option but to ask for help. At least that's how it felt in my mind. Like, um, or actually, it didn't even feel that way in my mind. It just came to me that, oh, wow, that stuff people have been saying, hey, maybe you might want to ask for some help. Um, might want to try somebody other, some, some way other than figuring out uh, a way to go forward the way I had been going. It's worked for me so far. So I wanted to touch on a few things that perhaps you do in your, in your life that uh, facilitate the good life or, or living better, at least. Yeah. So could you tell us a little bit about what do you do when you're afraid? Part of the, that experience, that journey for me um, into use of substances was realizing that, you know, I was drinking because I was afraid that I couldn't control things, afraid I was going to lose something I didn't, uh, I had or something I uh, <clears throat> really wanted. And those, those fears became a reason to check out a life, right? And um, as I struggled to get through first a day and another day and then another day and, and a few years now um, away from my particular crutch, you know, I, I had to kind of focus on that and kind of let a lot of things take care of themselves. And as, as long as I was getting through a day first without uh, taking a drink or um, uh, without, you know, and eventually engaging in other harmful behaviors that were, that were hurting me, um, you know, just focus, how do I get through the day without uh, having a drink? How do I get through a day without, um, you know, being an ass to my wife or, or uh, betraying uh, that relationship? Or how do I get through a day without completely losing it on my coworkers? The way I get through fear is by focus on what's in front of me. Um, and the more I do that, the less fear I have. And so anyway, that's, that's my reality. It doesn't mean fear has disappeared, right? You know, I'm, I, I still have the same, I guess my brain's changed a little bit um, uh, in recovery, but I, I at least know what worked for me um, in getting away from what was threatening my life and, uh, 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 with alcohol. And I can go back to those things. And that's pretty amazing. And when I have fear, that's what I go back to, those, the, the things that worked for me before, you know other people, reaching out to other people, helping other people, asking for help, um, staying in a day, uh, not worrying about how tomorrow is going to turn out. Just how do I get through today doing that next thing that's in front of me? Among the tools like staying in the day and helping others, uh, does meditation factor into your daily? So here's the thing. It was, you know, people talked about meditation and this, that, or the other. Um, 
and I guess I meditated in my own way um, uh, for the first um, uh, few years of recovery. But it's really been, you know, the past year and a half, um, I ended up, part of my story is that uh, I realized uh, while I was freed from alcohol, I wasn't freed from other things. And so I uh, had been, um, you know, also killing myself with food, okay? I was, um, and, and, and treating the feelings I used to treat with alcohol with, I was, uh, uh, weight's certainly not a thing. People can obsess about weight um, in a real harmful way, but I was 360 pounds, you know, at one point. And so just sharing that and in, in the process of recovering from that behavior, somebody had suggested to me that it might be good to meditate every day. Um, and I really started doing that um, uh, really a year and a half ago. and starting out a little bit uh, at a time and just focusing on my breath. And there's different forms of meditation. There's stuff in the Christian tradition called con contemplative prayer. There's the mindfulness meditation that folks do. Um, but I found that when I did that, my reaction time to things that would happen to me in life would slow down. So yeah, I meditate. I, uh, report to other people how much I meditated. Um, uh, cause without that, I don't meditate. <laughs> I found that if I am not accountable to other people, I just don't do the things that are good for me. Okay. And that's a lot, but you know, I meditate every day. Um, usually 10, 10 or 15 minutes at a stretch, a couple times a day, sometimes just five minutes early on. It was just two minutes at a stretch. And I found when I do that, I don't have to react to the little things people say to me at work. I don't have to react uh, quite as quickly. I'm slower on the trigger, so to speak. Um, so that's worked for me, and I know it works for a lot of people in and outside of recovery. So in a few of your answers, you've talked about other people, and I know that um, I think sometimes folks feel like helping others is a sucker's butt, right? Like if I'm helping somebody and I'm not getting anything out of it, what's in it for me? So here's what's in it for me, right? I get in trouble. And this is not to negate kind of, you know, from a place of calm and balance, thinking about what you've got to do uh, for your life. Um, when I'm in a state of calm and balance, I can plan ahead in recovery. <laughs> I became a homeowner, which is freaking ridiculous, if you know my story. Um, uh, so, you know, you can do things and plan things and, and proceed rationally towards an end. I know that my thinking tends to be self-obsessed and fear-based, right? And there's a type of thinking that I can just lose in it. You know, the same thinking that was like, hey, the best solution for whatever's going wrong in my day is, you know, to find a, find a drink or to um, engage in some other way that some other thing that harms me. Um, uh, that same kind of thinking, you know, it doesn't always serve me, right? My mind can just run like on a hamster wheel. And, and so the best way that I found to get out of myself, you know, meditation is good to get a little distance. Thinking about somebody else is a lot better than thinking about me. 
because frankly, I'm not as obsessed about other people as I am about me. <laughs> um, so that's why helping other folks, in, in, my, in my judgment, whether it's going to show up for my folks um, and help them with some lawn work while I'm not doing it right now under COVID, or whether it's hopping on a Zoom uh, with uh, uh, friends, um, the more I'm interacting with other people, the less I'm thinking about me. And that's been good for me. You talked about fear a little bit, and you talked about helping others, getting out of your way. How does um, control factor into this? I mean, we like to think we have more control in our lives than I think we do. And that might drive you crazy. It might make you fearful. How do you think about control in your day-to-day life? So just for me, right, the more I, you know, I got to give that notion that I can control things. And by things, I mean like the outcomes of whatever I'm trying to do. I got to give that notion up. I, I, I have learned that um, the hard way, right? I can control my feelings by reaching for um, either behaviors or substances. I had to give that up. Like, why did I have to give that up? I didn't give it up out of like the goodness of my heart. I was at a pretty hard extreme in my life. Okay. Um, recovery, like getting through a day without a drink forced me to give up the idea that I could control a lot of different things. So, you know, I, am grateful for that. And so I return to that insight in my daily life because I can get stressed about the fact that I, I, things I don't control. And let me just share a bit about why I think that's a good way to live for me on Friday. You know, that's COVID stuff. My particular employer has a conversation with uh, my C- our CEO had a conversation with all of our employees on a, a town hall. And she's like, yeah, you know, we're moving to that stage of the plan where I'm, we're going to have to make decisions that impact uh, people's jobs, full-time employees' jobs, right? And lots of use of the word layoffs. There's other alternatives to layoffs. I don't um, have control over that. There's nothing I can do to adjust that I, you know, today uh, to adjust whether that particular axe falls on me or not. I've so internalized that notion that I don't control outcomes sometimes that um, yesterday I'm calling my, my, my mom and my wife was like, Hey, uh, tell her your news. And I'm like, Oh, I haven't thought about that all day. You know, that ability to accept that, uh, no, I don't control those things. Now, does that mean I go through life not caring? No. There are just things I can do in a day and things that I, 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 I can't. Um, and I, I'm not going to get that balance right all the time. But, um, you know, I focus on what I can do that day. And I focused what I could do, you know, every day of employment up to the up to last Friday on, you know, you know, how can it be a service at work? And, you know, and that's either going to carry me through or it's not. And maybe it's, you know, 
ultimately whether or not I was a good employee probably doesn't have anything to do with it because you know we're dealing with some forces that are seriously beyond our control in the economy right now. Many people in recovery use the phrase uh, one day at a time and I'm curious does that what does that mean is it a tool to help you manage your expectations um, fear control what is the value of one day at a time? I mean, as I was saying, it's it's partly managing one day at a time. And I think I was talking about it earlier, you know, the original use of one day at a time in my life, I don't know whether, you know, in my first few um, uh, gradual steps towards freedom from alcohol was the first encounter with recovery for me. You know, I, I, the notion of getting two, three, seven days away um, from a, from a drink without um, knowing that, okay, you know, by the way, part of my story is I could, I could fast from alcohol, like for a few days occasionally. Uh, I could never be sure that this fast was the one that was going to last. Right. But I could stay a few days knowing that, you know, next week or the week after that, I could, um, I could uh, really drink the way I wanted to, but getting a day without alcohol when I didn't know when my next drink was going to come was impossible for me. You know, I tried for a year. Okay. So when I came into recovery and started asking other people, they said, yeah, focus on the day in front of you. Just try to get through that day. And if that doesn't work, get through that hour. And I had to learn that getting free alcohol. So today I deal with things that may come up like this employment thing saying, yeah, that's, you know, that's tomorrow's problem, right? Same as figuring out how I could get through a week without alcohol. I just couldn't deal with that problem in early uh, when I was first getting away from a drink. You know, I just was, okay, how do I get through today? How do I get through the next hour without uh, getting in my car and finding, uh, finding something to, uh, to check out from life? Um, so, you know, that's what I attribute to it. And today, share another experience. In, uh, in sobriety recently, I had some health stuff come down my way, uh, unrelated to sobriety or COVID or anything like that, where I had to have emergency surgery, okay? Um, and I had some enormous pain leading up to that emergency surgery. I'd learned that the more I worried about what tomorrow was going to bring, just I, I couldn't get into that. So, okay what do I do right now? Right? What's the right thing to do right now? Well, the right thing to do would be to accept the fact that I've got a little bit of pain. Maybe pick up the, ask my wife to call a 911, right? Ask, ask a family member to drive me to a, a doctor, you know, in the hospital, in COVID. I don't know whether I'm going to get COVID or not, but I'm, I, I, I don't get to worry about what happens tomorrow, I get to worry about, you know, how do I recover from the thing that I've got right now? You know, how to recover from my surgery? How do I listen to the things that 
um, doctors put in front of me and friends put in front of me to do. So I focus on that. So that's how I use one day at a time today. And, you know, I had a, a three-day surgery and hospitalization in the middle of COVID where outside of kind of the pre-surgery part, I didn't have to use tr- um, drugs to recover. By the way, no judgment on other people. You know, you do what your doctor tells you. Um, but I didn't have a problem coming out of it. And didn't have to worry about what was it going to mean for my job or not. You know, I just did it. What's happening today? How do I deal with that? So that's how I got, got through that experience in sobriety. So it sounds like you have a lot to be grateful for. Oh, unbelievable, man. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you use gratitude and the value of gratitude? What does gratitude do for you? Gratitude for me is an antidote for uh, self-pity. It's an antidote for the things that are wrong in, in my life. And when I'm thinking about what do I get to be grateful for today, I'm not thinking about, oh, woe is me, what's going wrong in my life, and I suck. You know, hey, things can go wrong. I can do rotten things to humans. I can, rotten things can happen to me. Um, and that can happen in or out of recovery, but I, and I'm not denying that reality, but the more I focus on what I'm grateful for right now, the chances that I have to get through today without a drink or without doing harm to other people and maybe lending a hand to somebody, um, uh, the less I'm focused on other stuff and things have turned out better for me when I'm thinking about that kind of gratitude. And, you know, the more I focus on that, uh, what's all wrong with me, that doesn't spur me to action. Okay. You know, I got to look at those occasionally and say, Hey, am I messing up here so I can change? But, um, the more I stay in what's been given to me, the, you know, I feel like the more, capacity I find to to do to do things and to help people and to again deal with the fundamental imperative which is getting through my day without engaging in behaviors that harm me um, there are oftentimes things in life um, unexpected obstacles people not behaving the way we think they should uh, lots of things in life that we can't change but aren't exactly the sorts of things that maybe we are grateful for and this is where acceptance comes into play. Yeah. Talk a little bit about how you use acceptance. I think acceptance, it's been throughout the kind of discussion that we've had so far. You know, accepting things as they are right now. You know, however I got to that point, I'm, I'm here today talking to you uh, about recovery and about my life. Um, you know, or whatever, um, health issue might come up or whatever, uh, impossible coworker might come up. That's what I, that's what I've got in front of me today. You know, it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, how can I, sometimes how can I learn from it? Isn't the right response. It's more like, okay what do I do now? Right. 
and knowing what do I do if what do I do now is the question in front of me every day, I go back to the notion that I'm not going to be able to figure that out all in my own head. Sometimes what do I do now becomes apparent to me by asking other people for help, right? Asking other people who've had experience with this thing, you know, what's the best thing to do? Sometimes it comes from, oh, I'm not going to figure this out right now in my own head. Maybe I go help somebody or maybe I go to be with other people, whether it's uh, other people in recovery or family or friends. Maybe it's just, oh, I'm supposed to show up for work right now. And there's this incredible big thing going on in my life. I just got to show up where I'm supposed to show up. The more I do those things, showing up where I'm supposed to show up, trying to help other people, showing up for other people in recovery, meditating like I'm supposed to, the more the answers to the, the problems in my life, yeah, it tends to work out. Accepting the problem and not always trying to fix it all in one big blow has worked a lot better than the other way around. A lot of people in recovery um, talk about God or a higher power. And I think this can turn off people who are like atheists or agnostics, maybe if you're like a Buddhist. And I think that's unfortunate. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what is a higher power? What does that mean to you? And how do you rely on it? So I want to just start with kind of what you said, you know, sometimes people get turned off. Well, I can't worry in talking about my own experience. I can't always worry about whether me talking about my experience is going to turn everybody off. I think there's a trap there. I will share this. I will share that I have seen people recover from substances. I've seen people have pretty remarkable um, transformations of their lives outside of kind of the immediate recovery from substances. I've seen people have, you know, real spiritual fruits, so to speak, in their lives. And I've seen that, I've seen that in, from a Hindu perspective, I've seen people identify as Buddhist. I've definitely seen people who are Christian. I've seen people who are Jewish. I've seen people who are atheist. I've seen people who are agnostic. I've seen, you know, all of these folks have found a set of practices, a set of um, paths for themselves that have worked. I've seen recovery work for those folks. I've seen other spiritual traditions work for those folks. The fact that you may or may not believe what I believe doesn't mean I don't have something you might be able to learn from. Doesn't mean I don't have something I can learn from the other guy. So I just want to kind of clear that ground. For me, I uh, was exposed to a few faith traditions and none. In recovery, the core notion of whether it be God or a higher power, you know, you, you know, the core notion is that whatever's run in the universe, I'm not it. You know, when I was saying earlier about not being able to control outcomes, there's so much that goes into that. You know, I might be able to do what I can do, change my attitudes, change my actions a little bit, but I don't control outcomes. 
the, if the basic notion is if there's something controlling outcomes, maybe we can know and maybe we can't. I just know that I'm not it. You know, that's enough, right? That's basically the beginning of wisdom, I think, in a lot of different traditions. Uh, you know, that's, that's the beginning of how I think about recovery. And I'd like to talk more about it, but maybe you got some other questions you want to get to. Um, well, the reason I, I brought up a higher power is I know that um, that kind of talk might turn off someone who's um, not religiously or spiritually inclined. But I also wanted to point out um, in this discussion, we talked a lot about recovery and in particular alcohol. I think there's a lot of things that people learn in recovery that are applicable to folks outside of recovery. Yeah. Sort of ordinary, average, everyday folks. Um, people, people face fear, uncertainty, lack of control. These are all things that just are part of the human condition. So I'm wondering if people outside of recovery, people who aren't addicts, who aren't alcoholics, um, can learn from things like acceptance, gratitude, and service to others. So I'm utterly convinced. Um, and, but they don't, they don't have to come to it the same way I do. In the same way, somebody trying to achieve recovery from, if it was drink for me or a gambling for another guy um, or whatever, you know, they don't have to believe the same things I believe. But maybe I've had some insights that might be helpful to them. I think that was the attitude in my particular recovery tradition um, that they took to uh, various um, spiritual paths or religions or what have you, or psychology or science, you know? Like, I, you know, I think we've got to think about how we learn from each other to deal with life. Yeah, no, I think there's um, insights to be had in the various recovery traditions. There's insights to be had in religion and uh, spiritual paths. Like people, like recovery didn't invent this stuff. People talk about gratitude and being grateful that not only that they found recovery, but being grateful that they had an addiction. That did not make sense to me. But the, the insight when I first came in, it does now because I'm grateful, like I said earlier, to be forced to adopt the discipline of living one day at a time to get free from alcohol because that discipline is so powerful that I get to live in the moment, I get to live in today um, to get free from alcohol, and then I can use it with everything that might come. So that's just one example of the insights that I think I think recovery borrowed it from other traditions and I get to borrow it now in my life. I'm, I'm amazingly grateful for that. It's, it seemed like much, uh, much of what you've said in, in some way or other touches on the idea of getting out of your own way. Yeah. That these, these tools, these practices, these things that you've put into your life, presumably out of necessity, like being forced yeah. to yeah. live in the day. I mean, I guess I could have gone a little bit longer, you know, having really precarious job and really precarious marriage and absolutely psychically miserable. I know a lot of folks um, uh, did, but I, 
I didn't. And I really wanted to avoid going back to that. So yeah. Yeah. So please. Uh, so I just wanted to, to, to point out that it, it seems like a lot of these, um, these tools, these uh, practices that you use are about uh, getting out of your own way, being comfortable in your own skin, reaching a sort of emotional balance or emotional maturity, something along those lines, being able to live life on its own terms. I mean, those are the, the fruits of the thing. But the fundamental, I think the fundamental insight I got came in. And it's not like, you know, maybe there's magic in it. Maybe there's not. Maybe there's some great spiritual change. Maybe there's not. We could argue about that. And people have in recovery and outside. But the fundamental insight that I got when I first came in was, and I, I believe it to be true, and I can relate it to my own experience is that there are practices that we got to do, get to do every day. Or if we miss a day, we got to come back to it the next day. Cause if we don't attend to those um, practices, the idea that we can solve things, the idea that fundamentally we're the thing that controls outcomes in this universe, the idea that we're, you know, playing that God role or playing um, controller of things in other people's lives or the universe, that will creep back in. And uh, that's the fundamental delusion that I was in, in in addiction. I think fundamental delusion a lot of people have in life. Um, so we have to do practices every day and we get to do practices every day. And when we do them, we feel better, right? Whether that's recovery meetings, whether that's meditation, whether that's reading uh, some kind of spiritual literature, whether that's going to a, 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 some kind of religious function or spiritual group, you know, I know that just doing it once a week or having a great experience, one really powerful religious experience, it didn't save me from the depths of addiction, okay? I had to learn through hard experience that there are things I got to do every day. And maybe, maybe other people can benefit from that. And maybe people without addiction can benefit from that. Ask yourself, do my, have I had times in my life where things went better when I was connecting with other people every day on a spiritual plane, right? or a set of meditative practices if spiritual offends you, right? Or a set of uh, community. Um, and if you've had that experience and if things went better, maybe that will work for you today. Now that was certainly my experience. I'd had great uh, kind of, in a way, I've been able to let go a lot of anger early in life. Something wasn't related to recovery, just, uh, a really powerful uh, moment for me um, with other people. And I let go of that. And then I got distracted and did other things. I had an experience where I was doing, um, I was at a, actually an internship in India at one point. And there were these kind of gatherings every morning, kind of centering people and connecting them uh, to a spiritual practice. It wasn't necessarily, I was, not necessarily bought into all of their religion or whatever, but I joined those morning meditations and my days went better. So, you know, what are we going to do today? 
to get free of ourselves? What are we gonna do today to get free of the hamster wheel in our head that distracts us from what's really important? You've also touched a little bit here and there on your uh, relationships with other people. If you could, would you paint us a picture, the contrast between your relationships with other folks prior to recovery and then maybe what your relationships are like now? I was rich throughout my life in family and friendship. I don't want to negate that. I, it wasn't my story that I burned every bridge in my life. I will say that, you know, my, uh, my middle sister, she had, um, she had a kid, I guess it would have been four months before I, uh, put down alcohol for the last time. And I was at a point in my life where I was really trying to like control the impact of my drinking on my job and relationships because it had gotten so crazy out of control, right? She was going through labor. My parents and my wife were gonna go to her house while she was at the hospital having, having my nephew and kind of set things up for her for her to come home. And they were doing that at 11 p.m. that night. My sister was going through labor. And the thing that was most important to me was to hurry my folks and my wife out of my house to go set things up so I could stay home, get to the liquor store before it closed at midnight, or the beer store at that point at midnight, and be able to drink the way I wanted to, right? It wasn't so much that I didn't have relationships or friendships or things in my life. It's that if I could get my particular way of checking out, other people got different things, it wasn't drink or something else, I would go to that first. That was the priority. Today, I get to show up and be there and be an uncle to my nephew, get a brother to my sister. My parents and my family and my friends told me before I kind of recognized them myself, hey, there's something different about you. Because yeah, I was more centered. I wasn't obsessed with chasing the thing that would make the hamsters in my head kind of slow down. I could actually be present for them. And that's maybe the biggest change. You could monetize it in that um, I had in my drinking, spent a lot of money that I didn't have and credit and all that kind of thing, got into bankruptcy and had to ask my sister for money to hire the lawyer to declare bankruptcy, okay? Today, as we're going through this COVID stuff and she's got balanced work and child responsibilities. I'm like, don't worry about it, sis. If you need help, we've got the resources. You know, that's, you know, you could be in recovery and not have financial success, right? But have a lot better life. In my case, I've, uh, you know, gotten a little more stable, but you know, those are just a couple of contrasts. So I'm confused about something. Maybe there's a puzzle you can clear up for me. So it seems like you've been talking a lot about um, 
showing up, doing the sorts of things that you're supposed to do. Uh, there's a little bit of discipline implied back there. How is it that showing up for other people, doing what you're supposed to do, staying in the day, it seems paradoxical that that would make you happier, that that would improve the quality of your life. It does. Yeah, it, like it has. It does. And it did not make sense to me, um, particularly early on. I'm not sure it really makes sense to me now. I could could rationalize how fo focusing on a bunch of self-improvement things would do a lot more for me than doing these other things. I had to get to the point, for me personally, I had to get to the point where my own thinking was such the problem and kept getting me back into the behaviors that would hurt me, right? Where I was willing to try what other people suggested to me. And they, they were the ones people in recovery had to suggest to me, no, 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 you better stay in the day and, you know, worry about somebody else and, you know, um, come to a meeting every day. Um, it's part of, uh, by the way, that's not necessary for everybody, but you know, it certainly helped me. I did those things not because they made sense to me, but because I just, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to have a drink and you know, I was willing to try my solution wasn't working. So maybe these guys got something figured out. And I think that's a core insight. When I say ask for help, it's not just, yeah, I got to say, I asked for help and I can't figure this out. I got to then be willing to, you know, not only do you need to tell me help, but I need to be like, okay, maybe that doesn't quite make sense to me yet, but, it seems to be working for you. Maybe I'll try it here. By the way, I will say that, you know, maybe there's some bad ideas or bad solutions out there. The way to do it is you try a little bit. One person suggests something that sounds crazy. You can ask somebody else, hey, does that make sense to you? That's what worked for me. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Larry. Thanks for joining us. It has been a pleasure talking.